0: Have you ever gotten one of those emails and you don't know who it's from? You know what I'm talking about? It's like you don't recognize the, the address. And, or maybe you've gotten one like in, the, in, in your regular mail and it's from somebody who's just like really, I mean, either critical of you or overly positive of you and, and your, your immediate thought is, they want something from me, all right? As a pastor, when I was uh, 25 years old, I became a senior pastor of a small church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, a little suburb of Chattanooga called East Ridge. Wonderful congregation of people. In fact, I have to be careful what I say because there are some of them who will be watching this later on demand. And uh, I remember the day, I got so excited uh, when for the first time in the history of that small church, and this was a long time ago, all right, but, but we got an offering on a Sunday morning of $2,000. We'd never had an offering of $2,000 before. And and we were just so excited about it, we, we put it in the newsletter, all right? And it was like, thank you, thank you, thank you, great offering, right? And the next week, I get a copy of that newsletter folded up with a note written on it, stuck in the church door when I went to the office. And the note circled the number of the offering numbers and, and said, how in the world could any one church ever spend that much money? You're a bunch of hypocrites. I can't believe that. And then signed, all right? And, and I looked at the address and, and what had happened was it was the next door neighbor of one of our church members. And, and they didn't even go to our church, but they, they got that newsletter by mistake. And yet they saw that, and so they wrote this really, like, strange, strange letter to me. Maybe, maybe it was an email. Years ago, um, I got an email from someone whose name I couldn't pronounce. Um, I couldn't tell if they were male or female. The, 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 the body of the letter said this, Dear Pastor Robinson, uh, I got your email from the church website, which I got from the Anderson University website, and I live in Kyrgyzstan. And I'm, I'm interested to know if your congregation has scholarships available for students from Kyrgyzstan to attend Anderson University. I, I, I didn't even know where Kyrgyzstan was. I had to go look at, but but I did know that our missions pastor at the time, Mark Shayner had just led a, a work camp uh, over into Bangladesh, and so I'm thinking maybe this is somebody that he met over there. Um, I had to get out, you know, like a map and Google Earth and all of that to figure out where everything was connected. And I went down the hall and I said to Mark, "Mark, I can't say this name. It's got too many consonants for my for my Mississippi mouth. It's just I can't do it. Can you? Do you know this person?" And And he's like, no, I've never heard of that person before, and I've never been to Kyrgyzstan before. I'm like, okay, good, all right? So I just ignored the email, all right? Fast forward, by the way, that email came in May. Fast forward to the fall, to about December. After an event here at the church, a group of young college students from Anderson University who had who had been serving and volunteering in that event uh, were standing around talking, and I happened to know one of them and came up. Hey, how you doing? Everything going well? And, and oh yeah, and we you know we like Eastside. This is going to be our church home. We're so grateful for those. And 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 then one of the young ladies said to me, Pastor Kerry, um, I, I'm having some. You know, I just was wondering, does the church here help international students? And I'm like, well, sure, uh, we do sometimes. If you've got a need, just, just send me an email. And her face just, I mean, I, I've never seen such disappointment on a face. Just immediately, just like, oh. I mean, if, if, if I'd smacked her, she wouldn't have reacted any, any more violently. And I said, I said uh, what? Which, by the way, I don't smack girls, uh, just let you know that. Right? <laughs> And, and I said, uh, I, I, I said, is there something wrong? She goes, you didn't answer my last email. I said, you sent me an email? She goes, yes, I, I, I sent you an email last May. I'm from Kyrgyzstan. I'm like, I thought you were a boy. I really didn't know what you were, because I couldn't say, say your name. And what is your name again? And all the other girls went, they call her AJ. I'm like, oh, good. And by the way, AJ now lives in Chicago, and if you're watching today, AJ, because I know she does sometimes, thanks. I appreciate you for teaching me something. Because what she taught me was that um, sometimes, sometimes when we get letters from people that we don't know, that um, we need to pay attention to what God's saying to us. This series that we're doing called Untoxic, contains a letter like that. It's a letter from the Apostle Paul to some people up in Colossae. We've kind of been studying the letter the last few weeks. And and, and this morning, I I want to read you a part of the letter. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to to hear this letter the same way those people heard it. Knowing that, that they've heard about Paul, but they don't know Paul. They've never met Paul. And so what we've got here is a a situation very similar. You've never met Paul. You've heard about Paul. But I would suggest to you that the, the letter he wrote to them is the same kind of letter he would write to you. Because what we're living through right now in the 21st century is so connected to what happened in the first century. And what I want to do is I want to to read you the letter. If you've got your Bible or you've got the Bible on a digital device, I don't want you to to read with me. We're not even going to put this up on the screens yet. We'll put it up later. But for right now, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear it with the same kind of openness that those people heard, recognizing the barrier, the same kind of barrier I had with the letter stuck in the door and and with A.J.'s email. Listen to what I heard from the Apostle Paul For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ in whom we are hidden, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For although I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ Jesus. Now, why would I, why would I read you those words, talk to you about letters from people you don't know, and then talk about this from the standpoint of being untoxic. Well, it's because I think we're living in a, in a toxic society right now. And the key to toxicity is self-centeredness. See, toxic people are people who, who are always doing things for themselves. I was traveling a little bit this week and I, I ran across a, one of those, I was just out driving. You do realize to drive through Indiana, you have to drive country roads to get to places. I mean, between the interstates, you have to drive country roads. And I'm driving one of them, and I passed a church out in the country with one of those old church signs. You know the ones where they have the plastic letters that they put up on the sign, and you read it as you go by? And because you can only go like 25 miles an hour because there's a tractor in front of you, all right? So you know you can actually see it and read it. And, and as I'm going by, I, I, I see it, and it, it just grabbed me. Here's what it said. Use money. Love people. Use money. Love people. And there are so many people that I meet, so many people that I see in our world, so much of our society right now is wrapped up in using people and loving money instead of the other way around. And toxicity grows out of this sense of narcissism, out of this sense of self-centeredness, out of this sense of the whole world revolve revolves around me. I mean, think about it. You, we are the generation. Now, some of you are not gonna wanna be included in this generation, but you are a part of it. You're alive, okay? You are a part. We, are, we invented the selfie. Nobody else in all of human history ever came up with the idea of taking your own picture yourself and then sharing it with all your friends. And by the way, how many of you have ever posted an ugly selfie well, I don't mean the ones where you make faces on purpose, right? And then it's all cute. I mean, I'm talking about, I've seen this. I've seen people, in fact, I had a wedding this weekend and, and I was sitting in the back of the venue as people were gathering in and I'm watching this young couple because the young couple had asked me before the wedding to get up and ask everybody to unplug, to turn off their phones, to turn off their, their digital devices so they could be present in the moment. And I'm watching, because these are recent college graduates, and I'm watching about 40 or 50, 20-something-year-olds. And I mean, I saw more selfies, because these guys hadn't seen each other in a while. And so there's this, this group and that group, and everybody's got and, and if you go to a graduation, come on. I mean, I'm watching people graduate, take the selfie with the president, you know. I mean, all of that kind of stuff. We invented that. How, more, how much more narcissistic can we be? It used to be we took pictures of other people and shared those, but, but we're living in a toxic society where it's all about being concerned about ourselves, and do you remember what Jesus said when he was asked what is the greatest commandment? He said what everybody expected him to say in the first century, love the Lord your God, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he said this, and love your neighbor as yourself. And and see, for us, we're living in a self-help society. And again, for those of you who've been abused, for those of you who've been misused, for those of you who the people got it wrong and they used you and loved money, I I just want you to hear this morning that, that this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Colossae to these people that he had never met, to try to answer their questions about what it meant to to live for Jesus in a a self-centered society. Because to be candid with you, historically, there's never been a more self-centered generation than the one we're living in, except maybe the one in the first century when Rome was the center of all the self-centeredness. And what what Paul is writing to them and saying to them is that, you know what, it's not about you. And he uses his, his experience to, to to say to them, listen, I'm for you, and my focus is not on myself anymore, because there was a moment in my life for Paul, it was when he met Jesus on a Damascus road, the resurrected Jesus, the one who had been crucified, buried, and raised on the third day. Much later, he meets Paul on the Damascus Road when Paul was a Pharisee seeking to destroy all the Christians. And they have this encounter where suddenly Paul realizes the world is not about me. Yeah, I know Jesus said that I'm to love my neighbor the same way I love myself. But, but the fact of the matter is I'm supposed to love my neighbor. And I'm supposed to do it out of the health of myself, not out of the toxicity of myself. I'm not supposed to be the person who loves other people so they'll love me back. No, 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 no. I'm I'm not supposed to be the person who does good things for other people. It's not supposed to be transactional. It's supposed to be grace-filled and love-filled. Because you see, other focused people have given Jesus total control of their life. And that's what Paul had done. And that's why when the people in Colossae had, had questions about what it meant to follow Jesus, they, they sent Epaphroditus down back to, to, to find Paul, and Paul is in a Roman jail. And they bring the questions, and he writes this letter, and, and as he's getting ready to answer their questions, he said, listen, I'm, I want you to understand, I'm doing this because I've given Jesus total control of my life. See, that's what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. To give Jesus total control so that I see other people. Uh, Look at the way he said it again. Now, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church of which I became a minister. According to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints You see, what what Paul is saying as he writes to them and as he writes to us is, look, look, you may not know me. We may not have ever met face to face, but I want you to know that I am for you because I gave Jesus total control of my life. And as a result of that, it's no longer all about me. And I'm not here to use you. I'm here to love you so that you grow as a person, so that you become who you were created, who you were born to be. And what Paul is saying is, hey, listen, I want you to to understand what it means to actually value yourself, yeah, but value other people as well. Because you see, other focused people see the value of other people to Jesus. When you give Jesus total control of your life, When you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, then he creates in you the ability to love your neighbor as yourself. And if you don't think you have an innate ability to love yourself, think about how many times you want everything to be all about you. I have a a 21-month-old granddaughter. She is beautiful. I love her deeply. I love to go with her mom and dad or with the rest of our family to a restaurant because she doesn't meet a stranger. She's like, hi, you know. Just sit in a little high chair, waitresses come by, and she's so just, you know, little 21 months old. She's just adorable. Until you cross her, The other night we were at a restaurant she, they brought me the bill, I'm going to take the pen and sign it, but no, no, she wanted to take the pen and draw a picture on the receipt I couldn't allow that I gave her a napkin she didn't want the napkin, she wanted the receipt and so as a result she showed them her better side and so do you so do you because that's what's going on in us when we don't see the value of other people to Jesus. Uh, my mother used to sing songs, songs my brothers and I thought that she made up, okay? I, I mean, she, she had all of these like Eastern Kentucky sayings and all of this stuff, and, and there was one as I was preparing for today that just kept floating through in my mind, and, and, it, and it said something like this. She would sing it. I'm, I'm going to kind of try to sing it. It's kind of a, a limerick kind of song. It's, it goes something like this. I love myself. I love me so. I took myself to the picture show. I wrapped my arms around my waist. I got so fresh I slapped my face. <laughs> now, I thought my mother made that up to tell my brothers and I whenever I got. No, no, no. It's a Boy Scouts of America. It's in their chorus book. The actual name of the song is I'm a Little Coconut. Okay? Some of you guys are in Scouts will remember it. All right? I was like, are you kidding me? I thought she made it up. You know when she would sing that song? Whenever my brothers and I thought it was all about us. Whenever we meet somebody who's like, it's all about me, you just kind of hear in the back, love myself, love me so. We live in a world like that. We live in a world where to say to somebody, you know what, until you're other-focused enough to allow Jesus to take control of your life, in fact, you'll never be other-focused enough unless you let Jesus control your life, you're gonna live your life acting like a preschooler. You're gonna live your life acting like a toddler where it's all about you and the attention is about you. As long as you're getting what you want, you're fine. As long as you're getting what you want, you're happy. But the moment something goes against your preferences, the moment something goes against your designs and your desires, then suddenly, you're gonna let people see your other side. But untoxic people have learned how to give Jesus everything and they've learned to value other people. Because when you are other focused, you also learn that God is at work in you. Look at the way Paul said it, to them. By the way, that last part of the scripture, remember, to all the saints. By the way, a saint was not someone who lived perfectly. No, a saint was anyone who had bowed the knee to Jesus. So if you've confessed Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, then then Paul would be calling you a saint. And he says, to those saints, to you, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. See, what what happens when you make that confession of faith to Jesus Christ and he begins to show you how to value others and to value them the way he values them is that now suddenly, instead of it all being about you, instead of you having to get all your desires and all of your wishes, now, now suddenly you're looking around and you're asking yourself the question, because Jesus loves me, because Jesus has forgiven me, because Jesus is at work in my life, who does Jesus value who's in my life? Some months after I got that newsletter scribbled on and stuck in the church door in Chattanooga, Tennessee, I, uh, I was after a Sunday morning service, church had grown a little bit, we had some visitors. There was a, there was a visitor card filled out and it, it simply said this, name of the person, and I recognized the name. It was the person who had stuck that newsletter in the door. And I was like, oh my goodness gracious, they called me everything under the sun. But they had written like really small letters to fill everything in on this card. And, and here's what it said, Pastor Robinson, I am so sorry for the, the, the stuffing that email or that newsletter in the, in the church door. You see, I, I had a view of church that you guys were all a bunch of hypocrites and that all you wanted was people's money. And when I saw that the church had taken in $2,000, he just sent me over the edge. But a few weeks later, some things happened in my life. And as a result, I was was down, I was was not good. But my next door neighbor, the one to whom the, the letter was addressed when it went out from the church, saw what was going on. And they brought food to my house. And they spent time to talk with me, and they helped me around the house, and they did some things, and and they just spoke into my life, And, and so Pastor Robinson, they invited me to come to church with them today, and I came as their guest, and what I wanna say to you is that I am so sorry for misjudging the church because you people really do wanna make a difference, and signed her name. She continued to come to church a few months later, we actually had a guest missionary come in who shared about their, their ministry as a part of a missions convention we were doing. And at the end of that, this lady, who had by now become a regular attender of the church, walked up to me and said, you remember that time I stuck that thing in the church door? I said, yeah, I'll never forget that. Mm-hmm. And she says, uh, she says, well, you know what? I listened to that missionary today, and I thought, you know what? The church is bigger than just here in Chattanooga. And, and you know I don't have a whole lot because I told you I, I lost my job and things were bad and and my neighbor's been helping me out. But but Pastor, I want to do something. So so here's the deal. I run every day. I run five to ten miles every day. And so Pastor, here's what I, I want to say to you. When I'm running, I've i I've, I've made a a faith promise to God to help those missionaries. And what I want to do is this, Pastor, I, I'm going to look for money on the side of the road oh. <laughs> as I run. And, and, and so I just want you to know that I've written an amount down, and I'm going to look for the money every day when I run. One year later, she came walking into the church. For a year, every day when she ran, she would look for money. She came in bringing three large quart jars filled with coins. And the money was more than she had even written down. Because here's what she discovered. When you give Jesus complete control of your life, and when you begin to value others the way Jesus values them, then other focused people end up making sacrifices for others. And that's what her neighbor had done for her. Now that's what she wanted to do to help support those missionaries. And she did it with the loose chain she found on the side of the road in Chattanooga, Tennessee. You see, other focused people find ways to sacrifice for others because they want them to know what they've discovered in Jesus. Paul put it like this when he wrote to them. And I want you to, I'm going to change a couple of pronouns to the actual nouns they represent. Look, for this I toil, struggling with all Christ energy, that, that Christ powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. See, we live in an age where we have access to unlimited information. It, It just proliferates daily on the internet, and yet we have so little wisdom And so little, I would say, real knowledge. Because information isn't knowledge, and it surely isn't wisdom. Because wisdom and knowledge have to do with how you apply the information. Wisdom and knowledge have to do with how you relate to the people around you. Wisdom and knowledge have to do with how you let people know that you're for them, not against them. And that's what God wants you to know. See, other focused people who are willing to sacrifice are also willing to work for others to grow. After my conversation with AJ and those other classmates of hers, when they walked away that Sunday after services, one of the older couples of our congregation walked up and they said to me, "Hey, Pastor, what did that young girl want?" I said, "Oh, I'm so embarrassed." She sent me an email back in May asking if we had any way of helping her. She's from Kyrgyzstan. She wanted to, to come to Anderson University to study, to, to study music and theater, and she's, she's going to be involved in our worship ministries here, and, 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 uh, but she was asking if we had any scholarship help, because it's a real struggle for her to, to make it as a student. And that couple looked at each other and smiled and said, Pastor, how much does she need? And I gave them an amount that she had shared with me that she needed. And they said, we'll write that check. And Pastor, as long as she's a student and attending here, whenever she's in a tough situation, would you let us know? We'll we'll take care of that. She never knew that they were doing that. She never knew the names of the people who would provide for the resources for her. But throughout her college career, she would run up against something and she'd shoot me an email and I'd say, hey, let me make a phone call. And what I know is this. Today, AJ's engaged to be married. She's living in Chicago. I've met her mom. I've seen pictures of her family. God is at work in her life, and what I need you to know is that because people are willing to work for others, lives get changed. Other focused people work for others to grow. I mean, look at the way Paul said it. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. On the chair in front of you, you're gonna find a card and there's a pin attached to it. Would you take the pen and the card out for those of you on campus? For those of you online, Pastor Jason has some, has some instructions for you in the chat room. But um, wherever you are, I'm gonna ask you to, to grab that card and a pen. Balcony, I think they've they've got some up there for you as well here on the main floor. Now, now some of you have been here before. You know that one of the things we'll frequently do is I'll ask you to challenge you to make a commitment and then bring that and lay it on the altar. Well, that's not what we're gonna do today. I'm gonna challenge you, but I'm gonna challenge you even further. What, What I'm gonna ask you to do today is to Spend the next few minutes asking the Holy Spirit to give you the name of someone in your circle. Maybe a neighbor, coworker, classmate, maybe a family member. Somebody who is either far from God or somebody who used to be close to God and now it's just not really their thing anymore. I, I'm going I'm to ask you to ask God to place their name on your heart. And while we sing this song, I'm going to encourage you to, whoever God places on your heart, write, write their name down. And instead of bringing this card forward, I, I'm going I'm to challenge you to take it with you place it somewhere where you can see it. Where every day when you see it, you'll be reminded, A, to pray for them, but B, to be involved in their life, to offer yourself, your time, your talent, your resources to help them grow in Christ. So if you're on campus, would you stand with me? Reach out in front, take that pen and that, card, and as we sing, I invite you to listen to the Holy Spirit and write that name down, and then I'm going to come back after we sing and pray for all of us and the names we've written.